into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who have finally, finally conceded a goal. But we don't care, do we, Mark Donaldson? Because in the end, it didn't mean jack shit. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mystic Mark. I think it'll be 2-1 hearts. The only thing I didn't get right was Benny Benningway scoring the only goal. I meant to say man of the match. How good was he? He was, he was indeed. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by Mark Donaldson for this week's episode of Scarves Around the Funnel. And we just seem to get used to winning. It doesn't matter whether it's Peterhead, Sterling, Inverness, Celtic. We just keep rolling on, don't we? Momentum. Yeah, so the the big question today, given the time of, of recording... When Messi comes to Harps, does he take the place of Ginelli, of Mackay Stephen, or of Boyce? It's a tricky one. I mean, you always need some squad depth, I suppose. Maybe, yeah, yeah. He'd have to play his way in. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, Scottish football is different from any other league, so you're not just going to be Benny Benassi and straight in the side. You might just have to, to bide your time, Lionel. Yeah. Indeed. Um, if he came, I'm sure he would um, make an impact. Imagine, maybe... what, imagine what he would do in football. <laughs> oh, could, he, could he do it on a cold night at Peterhead? <laughs> oh, good, honestly, just allow yourself to dream just for a second. Would it, Look, one player isn't going to beat a team all by himself, so would he need to play <laughs> for a better side? Do you remember when Dundee... Where there was talk about Maradona. Yeah, well, they'd signed Ravanelli, they'd signed Canigia. Oh, I mean, stuff um, like that. It's just, it's funny, and I, you know, I've, I've not particularly fond of, of Dundee, but it, I, there was something incredible about that period where obviously Canigia there, and then Ravanelli <laughs> at Dundee. It, it just like if you, sometimes you kind of have to double take. Even now, do you know you see a clip come up and you're like, oh, oh yeah, Ravinelli played at Dundee, didn't he? There's like a clip there's of him all, scoring against all, yeah, Airdrie yeah. or something. I know, it's just like, oh, Chris Waddle was at Falkirk and just silly thing. We had Pasquale Bruno, for God's sake. I mean, most people that grew up with Italian football watching on, on TV will remember Pasquale going absolutely tonto and trying to attack anything that moved. And, and he ended up with, with hearts. I love Scottish football. Scottish football, as far as headlines are concerned, gives you far more than you should really get from a small nation with two teams that pretty much win everything most of the time. Um, it's the, I think it's the old firm facts they do a kind of this week in Scottish football. It's, it's brilliant. From, from last week, Gary Naismith complaining that one of the Albion Rovers members of staff had to replace the injured assistant referee. <laughs> There's always something with, with Scottish football. And a time of recording, I'm watching Galatasaray against St. Johnston right now on BBC Scotland. 
I love it. I just, I love the fact that we're back in European action. I watched Celtic earlier, and no surprise, they conceded a couple. They're good middle to front, and that, that's the other thing. They had a lot of possession against us, and, and we were clinical. And I know we're going to speak a lot about the Celtic game in, in, in this episode, but Scottish football just has so many talking points. And, and you know what? Yes, Messi, wherever he ends up, he'll be a brilliant signing for, for whoever. But there's just something about Scottish football that it's gloriously, furiously frustrating. But I don't know if we would swap it for anything. Hearts are our team. They frustrate the hell out of us. But you know what? From time to time, like on Saturday, they give us a brilliant weekend to remember. They did indeed. I was just just thinking, did you see the tweet? We're going off on tangents already, but I guess people should be used to that by now. Um, The tweet that said, uh, in reference to St. Johnson playing Galatasaray, and it was like, tag Galatasaray, and it was like, welcome to hell. And it was the picture of like the cardboard smiling cutouts at McDermott Park. Yes. It's it's humour. I think... I think the, the, the all the individuals involved with the various social media accounts, um, whatever. I mean, even go back. I mean, I know it was it was it was it was rude and it was crude, but the guy coming back from halftime at Hamilton last season ended up getting fired because he he basically said, "Sorry, I'm late. I was away for a jobby." Just stuff like that. Just stupid stuff like that. Whoever's involved with all the social media accounts, just very very clever. They 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 really are. Trying to outdo each other. There's a couple of times you think, I mean, if it's a Hearts Hibs going back and forward with each other, you're like, oh, would we, should we have said that? But it's just fun. People take life too seriously these days. I'm in a good mood today. I, I said last week I was really looking forward to, to that game. And, and on the Thursday night, so shortly after um, we recorded the podcast last week, I normally get my schedule on a Thursday evening. So about 10 p.m. your time. Um, and about 5 p.m. my time has got it's got me down for Fortuna Dusseldorf against Werder Bremen. And I thought, well, that's all right, because there's some decent sides in the German second tier. And I looked at the time of the kickoff. It's like a 2.30 over here kickoff. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Saturday afternoon. Wait a minute. Saturday afternoon. Hearts are, hearts, shit. Hearts are playing Celtic Saturday night. And it was a half an hour. It overlapped by half an hour. So I'm, I'm driving back. Uh, my game finished, and I'm driving back to get the end of the game, and there's maybe five minutes to go. And you know, sometimes I don't know if it's just me or whatever. As a Hearts fan, you, you, maybe as a football fan, you kind of talk to yourself. You know, okay, five minutes left. They're pressing. They've had a fair bit of chance, but we've come back. We've done all right. The substitutions have been good. Do I take a point now? And it's funny listening back to last week's podcast because right at the start I said. Would I take a point now? And then you're like, right, that's what we'll talk about this week. I never actually got around to saying if I would take a point, but I gave the score outcome as a as a two one Hearts win. So it was it was a great weekend. Um, and why don't we talk about it now? Yes, so we will talk about Hearts and Celtic. Uh, we will also talk about another new signing for Hearts. Second week in a row, we'll be able to talk about a new heart signing. And we will, of course, look ahead to St Mirren, which is the next match. And I'll probably throw a little random quiz in there as well. Okay, first up, Heart of Midlothian kicked off their league season back in the Premiership 
against Celtic on Saturday night. We'll get stuck into that in just a moment, but let's have a quick listen back to the big talking points, or the main points, the big, the, the action from Saturday. Celtic getting us up and running, and the Hearts fans letting them know that they're back, and the Hearts are back in the Premiership. And what a fixture to get us started. Ginelli on the right, gets away from Starfelt, chance here for Ginelli, in the box, cuts it back towards Boyce, behind the Northern Irishman, oh, still finish, on, finish, Boyce, finish, finish. Oh. Gary McCarthy, yeah. and it's hard to take the lead here, in less than eight minutes, and it's the former Celtic man, Mackay Stephen, who slots it in from four or five yards. Ball forward, breaks to Edward, nice touch back to Ralston, charging forward into the box, it's away from one man, and another, and scores, and Celtic are level. And it's maybe the man you would certainly not expect to. It's Anthony Ralston who gets his first of the season. Hearts carved open, and it's really good composure in the end from the 22 year old. And it will be Michael Smith to take the free kick. 90 seconds left of the 90 minutes. Smith curls it into the box, headed towards goal, and into the back of the net! Unbelievable. It's John Sutter! And Hearts may well have nicked this with just over a minute left of normal time. And it's first of the season for John Suter. Ball hanging into the box by Michael Smith from the free kick. And it was John Suter who rose the highest to nod past Scott Bain. And Hearts retake the lead. Hearts have been Lothian 2, Celtic 1. Still in the box. Hearts haven't yet cleared. Eventually with Smith. Yes. It's away and it's yes. over. And Hearts have consigned Celtic to their first opening day defeat in the league since 1997. And Hearts get their first win against the Hoops since 2018. And what an end to the game. It's the man that was deemed not good enough for Celtic who twice comes up with two world-class saves to deny his former team and ensure that his side emerge with all three points here at Tynecastle Park. Celtic disconsolate trudge off the park. Ange Postecoglou's stuttering start at Celtic Park continues. We'll be back in just a few moments to analyse all the big talking points from the game. But full-time in Gorgie. Gorgie rules. Hearts are back. Heart of Midlothian 2. Celtic 1. Gorgie rules in the capital. And Hearts, mm. after having lost nine in a row against Celtic, just two wins from 33, get a victory, which uh, means Robbie Nielsen can end a nine-game winless streak, having never beaten Celtic as a manager beforehand. It's the first time Hearts have beaten Celtic on the opening day since 1941, and it's the first time Celtic have lost on the opening day of the league season since 1997, when they lost 2-1 in Edinburgh. And that was the way it went this time as well. Uh, before we get to all that, uh, a quick word on the starting eleven, which was pretty much what we expected, bar one change. I mean, we, we we talked about it possibly happening, but we thought he would stick with a sort of Haring and Halliday combination in the middle. But it was the 3-4-3. Pollock and Nongdwie dropped out. In came Suter and Benny Beningame for his 
first start just 24 hours after signing at the club. Uh, what did you think of that? I said last week that the team selection will tell us how Benny Beningamy performed in training. And clearly performed well. Robbie Nielsen coming out afterwards to say, like, I only thought he'd get an hour or so. But you know what? He, he played the whole game and he was he was brilliant. He's, he was a Rolls Royce of a performance. Now, this is where the, who the hell are we signing him for? He's hardly played all these games and budge over and Nielsen out and all that fish. They've gone quiet. And they'll be back. They'll be back. No, no. Fine, no, no issues. That's 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 the way they are. That's that's fine. This isn't a negativity podcast this week. <laughs> plenty more of those. Don't you worry. We'll have, we'll have plenty of time for that. We didn't know. We thought I thought Haring would start, and uh, and and he didn't. Um, it was bringing me. So he clearly showed up well in in, in training. Um, I like the fact that he's and that that would look, let's be honest. That was the first time pretty much every Hearts fan um, had had seen him play properly. You can go on line and pick out highlights and agents put DVDs or whatever together to, to showcase their client. It's not until you see someone play against good opponents. So they, the area of the park he was playing in, right? Forrest, Turnbull, Abada, Soro and McGregor, their kind of midfield areas. But what they do, and they tried it again earlier today against Jablonic, was bring their fullbacks in so it was interesting listening to Andy Halliday this week on his podcast that, that him and Cy Ferry and Kevin Kyle do. And Halliday was talking about hearts in the build-up, pretty much being willing to allow Celtic possession of the ball in certain areas of the park. And knowing that what seems a 3-4-3 a formation, the two in midfield for hearts, the two wing-backs and then the, the three... He said they worked on that becoming a 5-2-3, and they knew it would, but they didn't make it a 5-4-1 because they didn't want Mackay Steven and, and Ginelli coming back, and then there was no out ball. Robbie worked on the specific tactics for this game of a 3-4-3 in possession, or a 3-4-2-1, but a 5-2-3, because he knew that the likelihood is that their fullbacks would come in. Now, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. So... The change had to be made, pretty much. When Peter Harron came on for Gary Mackay, Stephen, we were being overrun in midfield. So it worked. The, the formational change worked. Now, we talk, we talk a lot about devil's advocate on, on this show. It could have been a red. I'm not saying it was or it wasn't, right? But that type of challenge could have been a red card. It wasn't offside, their chance. And... I can't remember which of their players had a nasty challenge on on, um, on Andy Halliday. Sorrow. Sorrow, yeah. So it's easy to re-referee a game afterwards. Um, there were a couple of mistakes that were made. We were slightly fortunate. We had our goalkeeper to thank at the end. But you need that luck when you're playing against better sides. Were we great? No, we weren't. We were, we were fine. We started well and we finished well with the exception of the added time at the end of the game but there were spells in the middle of that game that you thought Geez, we're lucky to be we're lucky to be a goal up here and and still on uh and, and still ahead uh, and then they got their equalizer and at that stage i'm thinking after they got the equalizer if you'd asked me would i taken a point then a hundred percent i would have done but benigamy great holiday in there 
it's going to be different against St Mirren. It's, it's not going to be the same tactics. It might not be the same personnel. But you know what? It was enough to get three points against Celtic because we kept pressing to the end. We knew they couldn't defend set plays and set pieces. And we knew they would be tired. That I, th- I think it, it just everything just worked. Whereas we still weren't at our best. No, uh, game started pretty well, though, and with a decent yeah. tempo. It, mm-hmm. it was only the eighth minute when John Souter stepped out, played Ginelli in on the right. He got past the unconvincing Starfelt on his debut. Um, Starstruck. Yes, indeed. Kev- Kevin Kyle called him Carl Starstruck. How <laughs> apt. Boyce hey, couldn't what? get a shot away, oh. but he managed to force it across the goal, and they were pretty much queuing up at the back post, Gary McKay-Steven finishing it off. Did the early goal in some ways not force our hand, but it meant that Celtic I guess had to chase the game so to speak, and we were happier to get deeper and deeper because you know you spoke rightly about the way that Postacoglu used the fullbacks and Ryan McGowan was messaging us during the game and saying he does that, he likes to make them basically central midfielders so you get a complete yeah. overload. Um, I, the only thing I slightly disagree with Ryan, where he said Hearts aren't playing a back five on purpose, it's they're being forced to. And it's like, it's somewhere in between. Because I think it got to a point where I felt like we were happy to be a back five. And and I get it to, to a degree. I, I watched a lot of the Mitchell and Celtic game and Mitchell and did this as well. They let Celtic have the ball for you know over you know for over half the park basically in their own half in you know areas that aren't of huge concern in the middle of the pitch. They just let them have the ball, knock it about all you want, keep possession, and then engage them when they felt they were in obviously getting into more dangerous positions. I understand that concept. I just felt we took it too extreme. We were getting so deep that we were actually letting Celtic get into decent positions. And I thought, my view was, if it was a better Celtic team, so maybe maybe we were playing to the fact that it's not a better Celtic team and it's not a Celtic team of confidence, would have punished us with the areas we let them get into. Um, that was my only feeling. I, underst- I did understand what Robbie was, or what the team was trying to do, but I felt we kind of, let them push us just a bit too far back and we let them have a bit too much of the ball um, but ultimately we won so that's that's what that's what matters in the end it doesn't matter and it is funny a few people talked about this and you know last season there was some frustrations when Robbie brought up the fact we had 65% possession today you know we had all that possession and we couldn't win but you know we had all that possession so that's a big thing we had, what, 24 25% possession? Well, it was no more than 30, which meant they had at least 70, which Rangers would have beaten us for that performance. We weren't playing Rangers. We weren't playing a Celtic team with Larson and Sutton and all these superstars of the past. This is a Celtic team we were playing. Celtic will score lots of goals this season. Celtic middle to front are decent. Uh, get rid of Edouard because his head's not in the game. He's elsewhere. Um, they've got good movement and there's such a stark dichotomy though of Celtic middle to front and Celtic from the back to the middle. I mean, it's just night and day, but it's up to us to to take advantage of that. Um, That's why, I mean, the games that, that, 
it's annoying as a as a journalist when a player or a manager says we're taking each game as it comes. I totally understand that, but you've got to take each game um, independently. And messaging back and forward with, with Robbie after the game, he, he was he was already in the Saturday night. I mean, you would think well, they're clearly not going to be sleeping, but he, he was already on on Y Scout and he was already analysing um, things that they hadn't done well because he wants to improve upon that. Yeah, it was great to to, to get the win over Celtic, but the adrenaline with a Saturday night game, you ain't going to bed till two, three in the morning. So he was making use of that. He was watching the game again. He was taking notes about what he liked, but also what, what he didn't like and what he thought they could do better. And he knows it's a totally different game against St Mirren. Uh, it will be more of a, a 3-4-3 than a 5-2-3. But he's learned. He's learned that you can bring on Haring and, and you can go narrow up top. So there's there's different ways to do things. But it's not a bad way of, of kind of spending your time. If you can't get to sleep, then you know you're going to have to do your analysis do some, do anyway. Work, the boys yeah. go back in. Yeah, the boys go back in on Monday. So he was just getting a head start on that, and um, and he thoroughly deserved it. I was I was really pleased for him, um, Laurie, because quite rightly so, and we we've said it as well. Quite rightly so. Um, there, there are people, ourselves included, who, who said he's got off to a good start to try and not appease the heart supporters, not to get them back on side, because there are those that have made their mind up and have decided, OK, well, fine, we'll enjoy the win against Celtic. But if, it, if still, if it's another poor couple of results, then we're, we're back on his, his back. Fine. He's under pressure. He knows that. So that's why I was pleased for him. Because, just sorry to keep kind of yakking on, just listen to Craig Levine after the game as well. Craig Levine is someone who would do anything for that football club, ultimately to his detriment, because he wanted to hang around. Apart from Lee. That's the issue. (laughs) He could not have been happier for Robbie, for Hearts, because he's a Hearts fan. There comes a time where you've got to just say, you know what, the past is in the past. Now, I'm not saying, look, one win over Celtic makes everything all right. We've got a whole season to go. I still think uh, uh, I still think top four should, should be the aim this season. Um, I still think it would be unacceptable if we didn't get top six. But sometimes it, you can just be pleased for your pals or pleased for someone that you like. And I was pleased for him. I was delighted for Craig Gordon um, and, and others as well. It's, just, it's nice when good things happen to good people. That's all. Fair. That's fair. Um, what wasn't nice was when um, Anthony Ralston, of all people, uh, just breezed through the spine of the Hearts team. And to be fair to him, um, a fine left foot finish for only his second ever Celtic goal. And finally ending Craig Gordon's run of more than 11 games without conceding. Like you say, I agree with you. At that point, I, fe- you know, I feared the worst. I, you know, I couldn't see how we could change the course of the game because we'd been pushed so far back and we'd had so little of the ball for so long and I think most fans when it came to the 68th minute or so and saw Gary Mackay Stephen going off for Peter Haring had a little groan or maybe a big groan and I have to say although I wasn't groaning because I was live on air I did feel slightly confused by the change but one of those where it's a case of, well, that's why Robbie Nielsen is the head coach and not any of us. <laughs> yeah. 
we say this every week, whether it's Hearts or, or whoever it is, we are all so-called experts. But no one can ever take an opinion away from anybody. That what we're going to, we're going to become North Korea if that if that happens. Um, everyone's entitled to an opinion. That doesn't necessarily mean that our opinions are right. But we, how many times do we have to say it? we base our opinions on things we read and what we hear? Now, we don't hear everything. We don't hear a lot. They kind of choose, and it's not. It's no surprise that we're. We're getting to the stage with so many media outlets and a thirst for um, info, for, for knowledge that Rangers are saying, well, if you want to cover Rangers, then you're going to pay 25 grand and here's what you'll get in return. Other teams are saying, well, club media is the only place that you'll hear the truth, um, which at times, you, this is where I, I, I want to be... Um, I want to be praiseworthy to, to you because a couple of my friends of mine who are Celtic fans uh, were actually listening to Hearts TV and thought that your commentary was um, very balanced, uh, was was decent, and unlike a lot of club commentary, including Celtic, Celtic's like, wait a minute, there's another team playing? And Rangers, <laughs> Rangers are the same. And you and I have had this discussion, are, are we kind of too... Um, down the middle type thing, but we are what we are. So I, I think that's that's praise from from Celtic supporters in that. So to to have your own kind of club media, I under I totally get that. Especially over the last eighteen months, it's been important. But there has to be a place for quest. I mean, it's like when Celtic um, got Ange Postecoglou in, and they had the, the the fans asking them questions. That just blew up in their face, right? And then they had. I don't think they allowed any of the mainstream media to, to question Peter Lowell um, when he left or anything like that. It was all done in house. So there's got to be a there's got to be a happy medium. You've got to allow access to to journalists to do their job to ask questions that in house media wouldn't ask. So with Hearts, um, yeah, I, I think we're in a, a situation at uh, at the club whereby I think it's it's run well from a, a media perspective. I don't think they. Uh, try and hide. I don't think they, they try and paint over the cracks too much. I think we could do a lot worse for, for our in-house media. I forgot what we're talking about now. Oh yeah, it was 1-1. Harren came on and yeah, it, it changed the game. Slightly going to a 4-4-2. And yeah, although we'd been pressed back for a lot of the game, the closing stages, we did look like we were going to try and press them and maybe try and nick a winner there, which I suppose makes sense given they'd had a, a long, uh, ma- tough match in Denmark just a few nights before. John Suter battling hard, Haring then picks up the ball, wins a foul as we approach the final minute of the 98. Michael Smith floats it in and a player at the end of it who I think everyone apart from those associated with Celtic would probably feel like that's something that really makes you pleased to see something like that happen. John Suter, 14 months he had out, as well as all the other injuries he's had already in his fairly short career at this point. Um, first goal since April 2019, and the, the beaming smile on his face as he celebrated it, I thought was terrific to see. So, first off, how good was that to see? And second off, how bad was Scott Bain? <laughs> 
It was a combination of, of goalkeeper and defenders, but that, for me, I, I don't really care. For, for me, it's all about hearts here. Um, looking back at the first goal, John Souter, his anticipatory skills to go and pick the ball up. When I looked back at the highlights, that, that specific um, intervention, I'm not sure if he was the one that, that gave it away in the first instance. Um, fuck me, St. Johnson. I've got a penalty and a red card for the goalie. Goodness me. Um, I'm not sure if he was the one. I don't think he was, but he, he anticipated well. So for him to do that and be involved, involved with the the, the goal the way that he he was, um, it, both goals because he set up the first, but the, the second one. It's not until you see a, a, a kind of um, a, a still. There's like three Hearts players without anybody marking them, and it, it was horrible defensively from a Celtic perspective, but. It's a great delivery. It really is. But I think we have a player, and you can always say, well, he's, he's got to stay fit. If, if John Suter doesn't miss a game this season and, and stays fit, if Josh Doig's worth four, Suter's worth double that. And why would Celtic sign Carl Starstruck for four point whatever when they've, they've got John Suter on their doorstep just along the M8 who... I'm sure they could they could sign for I don't know whatever it would be. Yes, he has injury problems, but he's uh, he, he, we're lucky to have him. We we really are. He, he reminds me a little bit of, of the, the kind of career story of Craig Levine, and that Craig Levine wouldn't have played as many games as he did for Hearts if he didn't have those injuries. He would have been off to a better and bigger league. And Suter will be the same for everyone who enjoys watching John Suter. Enjoy him while you can because he's destined for whatever he wants to be. Indeed, um, and one man still to mention, another man who's um, a favourite and it's always terrific to see him doing well, but 94 minutes, uh, what a save this is by Craig Gordon. Um, it's a lovely move by Celtic, to be fair. Edward with a nice little layoff after Forrest dummy, Forrest onto it, into the box. And I have to say, when I saw this, despite having Craig Gordon in goals, I thought it was I thought it was two two. As soon as I saw Forrest bearing down on goal. Mm. But it's a really, really big save. I, I, and I know he he makes a good save from the follow up corner from Starstruck's header, but and I got a bit excited in commentary about how good it was, but when you see it back, I mean it's more routine, but the first save is huge and, it, and his reaction is great as well. It just <laughs> This is where quotes afterwards, which I think he was he was on the dailies, um, which meant the Monday newspapers had his quotes, um, and it it was it was brilliant to read what he said to the dailies because there is no way he meant that um, that the, what he said it, it, he'll never he'll never tell you in public that but I know him well enough to to know that he was buzzing absolutely buzzing. For that, that was about proving a point. That was about proving a team wrong. And you know what? As Hearts captain, he said everything right, absolutely everything right to the newspapers. And I would have been disappointed if 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 he'd come out and kind of gone, "Ha ha, get it right up." It's not him. He's 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 too mature for that now. And he said exactly the right thing to the newspaper. How much of that did he actually believe? Look, that was a chance to prove a point. That was a chance to say, you want to give me an 80% pay cut and sign a guy for 5 million? That doesn't work. Then play my backup 
then go and sign Joe Hart on a three-year deal worth 15 grand a week basic as well. <laughs> oh, up yours. You made a mistake. And I can't, through a hypocritical perspective, say earlier that let bygones be bygones and, and all that. But that was his first time playing against his former employers in the top flight as the captain of his boyhood heroes. And he gets not only the win, he had that wonderful save, but he was as much a talking point afterwards as John Souter. That, to me, is everything. And no wonder he had a beaming smile. But just remember, everything that... All the quotes that you, you see, and it's okay to, to say, I don't believe that story because I had no quotes on it. Even stories with quotes. And while Craig Gordon said exactly the right thing, deep inside, I think he meant and believed something very different. So terrific start to the season for Hearts and hopefully we'll build on that. We will have a little chat about St Mirren shortly. But before that, we have another arrival, another central midfield arrival at Tynecastle just today. Although we've not had a scarf above the head yet, but it's basically been confirmed. Um, that Cameron Devlin, or Cammy Devlin, who turned 23 in June, an Australian midfielder who was born in Sydney, will be joining Heart of Midlothian, someone who played with Sydney FC, then Wellington Phoenix, then signed a two-year deal with Newcastle Jets at the end of June, that's June this year, um, but will be transferring to Tynecastle. I'll talk about him a, a bit more, Mark, in a second, because I've, I've pulled some stuff from Joel Sked's article for the Evening News. He put some great work in to to give people a bit of a breakdown, a bit of an idea about what they can expect from Cammy Devlin. We'd actually spoken to, to Ryan about this player previously, and Ryan had spoken about him to us, um, having, been at, having been at Sydney previously and having seen him playing in the A-League. The thing that strikes me about this deal, first of all, it's very strange that we've got a player who's not going via <laughs> Kaunas, who moved from one club to another five or six weeks ago and now he's going to come to Hearts having not played a competitive game for that club. That's taken me back to the Edgaris Jankowskis and Jose Goncalves type deals. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, but um, look, we, we, we first knew of the player back in the middle of June um, when Ryan McGowan mentioned his name on a group chat um, that it might be a potential signing for the football club, but that was when Devlin was at Wellington. So, yeah, it's, it's the same as Benning. I mean, it's the same as anyone. We, just having a new signing is uh, is it's something to, to get excited about because we, we thought we would have more new signings at this stage. Now, this, this might take a while. There's a lot of, of kind of water still under the bridge with this one, isn't there? There's... There's work permits, there's international borders and, and FAs that, that have, you have to go through, and, and especially there's, there's, um, there's a pandemic ongoing, so I'm sure there's, there's quantities. So it might be a while before we see him, right? Uh, yes. Uh, apparently we're not going to um, see him straight away. There's going to be a bit of a wait to get him over. But I, I thought, so I'll, I'll go into this article from Joel and just I'm not going to so it's a it's a great article got on the evening news website you can read the full thing but some bits that he mentioned um uh, he talked about first of all 
Devlin on the ball and said um, there are similarities to Rangers and Scotland midfielder Ryan Jack. He made the second most passes per 90 minutes in the A-League last season um, and there was a 92.6% success rate to his passing. Um, and a, a quote I quite liked here from Julie says, shirt tucked into shorts, head up, chest out. He's so confident and comfortable wanting the ball, no matter the area of the pitch or situation, using his body shape to take it in on the half turn and progress it forward. Uh, he says he favours short, um, quick short passes uh, to move through the opposition midfield and can zip a ball across the pitch to open up space and switch play. In terms of where he fits tactically, um Joel says Robbie Nielsen has spoken of his desire to have different formations this season. So far, it's largely been three-four-three, but he's also uh, keen for the team to play four-three-three with a player at the base of the midfield, um, dropping between the centre backs. And he talks about Devlin doing just that, helping build play from deep, which could allow John Suter to move right and open up different passing angles. Um, he goes on to talk about him out of possession because when Ryan was talking about him, he was this is the kind of player I was getting a picture of someone who's got a lot of energy, snaps into tackles, covers the pitch really well. Maybe similar to what we saw from Beningame at the weekend. He says, there are aspects of his game which Hearts fans will adore. Um, in a game against Perth Glory in May, he chased and harried, ending up in the opposition box, pressing the goalkeeper. As he did so, he waved his team forward, urging them to get up to the pitch to keep the pressure on. That is his game when the opposition have the ball. Intensity. It's therefore unsurprising that he had the most defensive duels per 90 minutes in the A-League during the 20 to 2020 to 21 campaign. It's a figure which is 12.22 per 90 minutes. That's a figure which would have put him top in the Scottish Premiership. And on top of that, he averages more than 10 ball recoveries per 90 minutes. So a really good piece by Joel, which um, he was getting very excited. Rob Borthwick had a amusing comment about how excited Joel gets when he gets stuck into a new signing and watching the videos, but fair play to him for putting the work in on that. So, a lot of positives there. The interesting thing for me and the question I'm going to put to you is where does he fit in? Um, you know, we we can't go too much and say he's going to be great, he's going to be terrible. We, you know, we can talk about the type of player he is, we just don't know how he'll, how he'll do yet. But in terms of the type of player, so we've got Peter Haring, We've got Andy Halliday, we've got Aaron McInef, we've got Benny Beningame, we've got potentially um, Finlay Pollock, and we will have Cami Devlin as well. That's five or six players for what you would think are two central midfield positions, albeit you know Halliday mm-hmm. can cover left wing back, we could maybe use Haring defensively, but that's quite a lot of players for those central midfield roles. Are we starting to see players bought with the future in mind? Um, Potentially, yeah. Because Haring and Halliday won't go on forever. Um, they might have a, a season or two left, but it gives competition. I mean, like ultimately, a team like Hearts, every signing that you make should be geared towards the future, getting them in, getting them played, getting them playing well getting attention on them and getting them sold. I mean, that that's, that's life. That's life in football. Um, so it fits the age bracket. We were speaking about that, weren't we? Kind of under 25s. Um, it's what age is, is Devlin? It just turned 23. Yeah, so it, it ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah, he's 
there's um, room to for him to I guess improve and develop and potentially become a better player and uh, yeah f- a future asset in terms of value etc. Um, yeah, I mean the the, the 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 thing is, Laurie, it all depends on, on how you sell. I mean, character as as much as ability. You need ability, but you also have to have character if you do have ability. Because if you don't settle um, and you don't blend in or you don't take to a new lifestyle, so there's not a there's not a language issue here. Um, and look, I don't know. There, there a lot I don't of, understand Ryan McGowan half the time he speaks. But you look at Aaron McInniff, and he, he started off okay, but he seems to have kind of disappeared for now. Um, so, I, again, I, I don't know is the answer. He's, he's likely to be a squad player um, who, when eventually given the chance, um, will hopefully take it, and then we'll, we'll see where we are from that. But I think I think this is this is one for the future as opposed to, to, to one that will make an impact over the next two or three months. Okay, moving on. To, moving on to this weekend, and you know there was a, a little bit of a, a grudge match, you could call it, when Hearts played Celtic, and there might be even more of a, a grudge match this Saturday. Um, it's been almost seventeen months since Hearts and St Mirren last met competitively. That was for the final Scottish Premiership game before COVID halted proceedings uh, a John Obika goal early in the second half in a game that Hearts could have leapfrogged St Mirren if the result had gone their way but instead they lost they didn't turn up that night and although there's lots more in play it would eventually be a result that did I suppose put a nail in the coffin for Hearts um, I, interestingly Mark I was looking back now this 17 months ago still less than a year and a half ago only two players that started that game are still active at the club that's um, Michael Smith and Craig Halkett our starting 11 away at St Mirren was Bobby's Lamal in goals Smith, Halkett, DiCamona, Hickey back four, Moore, Demure Bozanic, Clare midfield with Stephen Naismith supporting Connor Washington Hmm. <laughs> Under Daniel Stendhal's guidance. Yes, his final game as well, of course. That fixture, the reverse fixture of what the previous November, we beat them five two. I thought we played well. Austin McPhee, yeah. Yeah, I thought we were we were good in that game. We were we did everything the way that we would have or everything that day that we didn't do the following March. So I don't, I don't think it's a particular revenge game or or, in a, or a grudge or anything like that. I think the the, the point that we have to yeah, prove is, is to ourselves. <laughs> Maybe, like, I'm st- there'll always be that grudge. I mean, Scott Scott Wilson will forever call them St. Lie Down um, in in eighty five eighty six, and there's always that. There's like there's there's teams you don't mind playing. There's away trips you don't mind, and there's others you're like mm, just because you don't like the team or the place or or whatever. It was never somewhere I particularly liked going. Um, Paisley, when I first used to go there, my first trip there was uh, 86. And we, we had some, <laughs> like, the 86-87 season as opposed to... The year I was born. Before. Aye. Um, 
and we, we, we had some decent results there, the old Love Street. Um, and I think you, uh, I think you, you look at, at venues or, or games based on kind of historical um, results that, that, that you've had. And there was a time where we just never lost at Fur Park. And another time we never won at Fur Park. So a kind of a generational thing. I mean, St. Mirren, I don't like the, the new stadium. It's, it's kind of, it's Fair out enough. of town and, and, and soulless. Yeah. But that's just a, an excuse if you want to make it. I'm, not not for me. I'm just intrigued as to, to how we uh, we go about things um, yeah, this I mean, weekend. And I, I also I also just wondered if I, I don't know what the rules and regs are, but given that August the ninth is the, the the date where um, you can apply to have more uh, fans at games in full houses, certainly in Glasgow. I know that's kind of rent for sure, but I think we're limited to one thousand total attendance on Saturday at this game. Is that right? That's what I heard and. I don't know if there's potential for that to change, but I heard with distancing and and such like that that's what we're gonna we're gonna have. Um, I can't see there being away fans, even if it, there was an increase in that. So it maybe isn't gonna affect us a whole lot. Um, but no, that's why I had heard that there'll be a fairly low crowd for that one. But it, it hasn't been a happy hunting ground. You're you're right to to mention that, although we maybe had a better record at the old ground. Um, We've not won there competitively since the Scottish Cup quarter-final replay in 2012 when Jamie Hamill wow. and Udi Scatchel scored in a 2-0 win on the way, of course, to Hearts winning their last trophy. And the last league win was December 2010 under Jim Jeffries. So la- last seven games there, we've won zero, drawn three, lost four. We've only scored two goals and we've conceded nine. Um up against a St Mirren team who have won four out of four in the Premier Sports Cup group stages. Uh, but they have gone four league matches without a win. They drew 2-2 with Dundee last week at Dens Park. A decent season for them last season, though. They narrowly missed out in the top six, but seventh, where they eventually finished, was their highest league finish since the late 80s. It, it's funny. Beating Celtic, although we don't do it that often these days, you know, two and what 33 before the weekend just passed but it's these games that I feel I I want to see Hearts do better in in some ways I think Robbie will be judged more by these type of matches than he will a home game against Celtic because this is the kind of fixture we've just said you know it's been 11 years since a league win there and nine years since a, a win of any kind competitively these are the games we need to do better in. This is a team that we should be beating, I feel, despite them being a Premiership club last season and doing well. But we always go to this type of ground and either draw or lose. And it's a game where I feel we're not going to sit and have 25% of the ball, let them knock it about and try and catch them out. It's a game where you would expect that possession would be even. And... I'm in some ways more interested to see how this one goes, if that makes sense. It does. Totally. This is a Gary Mackay-Steven game. That's going to be the prediction for the week. I'm not making a score prediction this week. I'm just saying he'll be the difference this week. Okay. Whether it's getting a point for us, whether it's it's him being involved in a winning goal or scoring a winning goal. He is the type of player we need in a game like this to, to unlock a, a, an opposition defence. Mm-hmm. 
You can have this one for free because obviously we didn't play in the Premiership last season. We can revisit our haven't won away from home in the league outside Edinburgh since Dens Park in yes. March 2019 stat, <laughs> yep. uh, which we didn't, we don't like. Uh, when Sean Clare, of all people, scored the winning goal at Dens, that was the last time, the 9th of March 2019, the last time Hearts won away from home in the league outside of Edinburgh because we obviously won twice top flight, at, but yeah. uh, at Hibernian. Yeah, in, in the top flight. Um, it would be, it'd be, it'd be typical hearts, wouldn't it, to have three points from two games, but to do it the wrong way around. They're not a bad side. They're not a bad side. I, I don't know why, but I remember shoveling snow out the back um, during the... The, the kind of 20, what would it be, the, the winter of 2019, 2020. And Tony Fitzpatrick had come out a couple of months before and, and, and made some, it wasn't a ridiculous remark, but he, he, he felt yeah, they could be he top, often does. top four. He does, but that, don't we all? Champions League, your, probably. Your colour. We said something, maybe it was a top four or a European spot, and we're like, really? And it was around the time where he was talking to the guys on Sports Sound about, doesn't matter who comes in from, Jim Goodwin is going nowhere. He's a brilliant boss and whatever. Jim Goodwin's done well there. Um, and I'm glad they've, they've kind of stuck with him um, to, to this point uh, because there were a, there were one or two issues that you thought, oh, he's under pressure. But he's, he's a good coach and he's had some nice things to say about Hearts. Um, and I'm sure, I, I didn't hear Robbie's press conference earlier. I'm sure he's been reciprocal and tough place to go and all, all that. Yeah. The, would you take a point now? Four points from two games? If I offered you it now? Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm greedy. Remember, I didn't think we'd lose last season. Um, it, <laughs> it would I, be I can the, see why some people would. I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to take a point, but I might. I, I wouldn't I be surprised like if we okay. lost. That's the problem. I know, I know. It's, it's one of these games that any result, like home win, away win or draw, would not be a surprise. No. Would Do I want to take a point now? No, I don't. Because I think we should be aiming for all three. I think we, we, we want to go off to a, as good a start as possible, get the momentum going. Um, but if, if it's just sitting there on a table and I can pick it up if I want it, I might be tempted. I wouldn't have taken it if we'd lost or drawn against Celtic. I wouldn't have taken the point against St Mirren. So why should I take it now? Ooh, I don't know. Interesting one. It's one of those things. I think um, there was a, an article, and I think it was Joel again who, who who wrote it. I don't have it in front of me, but it was about the fact that Hearts haven't won more than nine away league games in a season um, since 91-92. And that's they always been a bit... that year, I think. Was that, was that Crabble's curling effort? Quite possibly. But he definitely mentioned the fact that um, Hibs won 11 last season. Um, and Aberdeen had won, like, double figures for five or six consecutive seasons. And these are the teams that have then, you know, finished second stroke third more often than not over that time. Hibs obviously once last season in Aberdeen quite a few times during that period under McInnes it's always been a big Achilles heel for us you know we've we've had we've had lots of success at Tynecastle and you know we can beat anyone at Tynecastle on our day but 
we just always seem to be able to lose to anyone away from Tynecastle. And I think it's if we're going to kick on and you know get back to what we 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 will believe we should be third place, third team in Scotland, and winning some silverware. If we're going to get back to being consistently better than the rest in the league, we have to win more away games. I think we have to do better away from home. So I'm hoping it starts this weekend. I'd be lying if I'm, I said not... I was confident, but yeah, I'm yeah. optimistic though. Yeah, I'm. I'm now going to have a go at someone. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have a go at me for my last comment. And just thinking about what I said, would I take a point? Or we've got to get out of that mentality. Yeah. No, that's we, fair. And I, I can't. I can't become hypocritical and, and say, "Oh, why didn't we have more of a go?" If I'm. If I'm tempted by the lure of this solitary point with lipstick on and a cute dress and all that, and it's 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 fl- fluttering its kind of eyelashes at me and going, "Ooh, a point! You can have me now if you want." No, I, I can't. I can't do that and then come out and say, "If if we lose or we only get a point, so we should have had more of a go." I think with with the mentality that we need to have is is a mentality of the only points we should probably accept away from home are against Rangers and Celtic and, and maybe Aberdeen to an extent. That, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get anything from them. There's no reason why... We, if we're going to go to Easter Road and think we're, we're good enough to win and, and we wouldn't accept a point there, why am I accepting a point at Sinbad? So I'm changing my mind. I'm not taking a point now. That's fair. No. My, 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 second, yeah, my second point is um, I hope Robbie's in the mood of let them worry about us more than we should be worrying about them. There you go. I agree. Completely agree. Before we go, I, I've got a, a quiz for you this week. This this could be terrible. I've prepared a quiz. It's one of these. I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, I try. I try and make it relevant. So, by the way, if, if any of the answers are Kerry fucking Katona after last <laughs> week, I will not be. I listened back to that, and I still can't believe you did what you did. Oh, get over it! Come on, get over it. I've, this one. So we go to Paisley this. We go to Paisley this weekend. The, the birthplace of Robbie Nielsen, who was born 19th of June 1980 in Paisley. The same place that the likes of Gordon Jury, Brian Hamilton, Derek Lilly, Dave McPherson and Robert Sloan were born. I have got a I think, I think, I think, I think Brian Hamilton was an on this day. There was some really, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it was really good to watch old footage. I think Brian Hamilton signed on this day in 1994 okay. um, Ian Ferguson scored against Celtic uh, not okay. the Ian Ferguson of Bayern the, the Hibs school Ian Ferguson yep. um, but just when you talk about Brian Hamilton because Brian Hamilton was he not a talented teenager that uh, was part of the St Mirren side that beat Hearts in the semis in 87 and went on to, to win the cup against Dundee United in, in, uh, in the final maybe was. before my time anyway quiz Okay, so 
I've got ten hearts players, and I'm going to give you multiple choice to tell me which Scottish <laughs> town, stroke city, place they were born. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not going to. I know on the quiz, what I often do is I go through them all, and then I go back through them all to give everyone a chance to have a think. Because I'm not convinced this is going to be a particularly good quiz. I, I know I got. I was too deep in like preparing it when I thought, is this a bit naff that I'm going to go through them one by one? Don't answer too We've quickly. Come so far. Yeah, you know I was. You know the Limmy <laughs> Double Dune. Yeah. Don't back. Yeah. I got you to like played quest. that clip last week, and that's when it made sense because what a lot of people don't realise, you put all the kind of sounds and everything like that in afterwards in post production. Yeah. And I, we're just recording this, and I'm like, oh, Limmy. What is Lemmy? Oh, you don't know what... No, I know. Okay. Don't back down, double down. Don't back down, double down. Okay, anyway, so I'll go through them. What is a Lemmy? Question one. I'll give you A, B or C. Don't answer too quickly. So people still can answer if they want to be involved. If you want to stop listening at this point, because the quiz is naff. (laughs) I understand, but... So are you leaving till the end, is it? Yes, exactly. You've, you've, You've... Maybe at this point you feel like if you're too committed, you have to listen through. Okay, so. <laughs> Player one. Roddy McKenzie. Roddy McKenzie, former Hearts goalkeeper. Wait, I was going to say which one. Yeah, not the writer. The goalkeeper. Um, they're all players who played for Hearts. Um, 54 competitive appearances for Hearts over 10 years at the club. Was he born in A. Air? B. Bells Hill or C. Kirkcaldy So Roddy McKenzie, former Hearts goalkeeper, was he born in Ayr, Bells Hill or Kirkcaldy? Okay. You can go. We will do it question by question rather than repeat them all. So what do you think? Give me an answer. Well, he's got a wee... Only because he's got a Ouija accent, I'll go for Bells Hill because there's there's no danger that he's uh, he's a fifer. With a Ouija accent. Correct. Roddy McKenzie, born August yeah. 8th of August, 1975, in Bells Hill. There we go. Okay. One out of one. Next. Question two. Sandy Clark, 165 appearances for Hearts between 84 and 89. Was he born in A, Airdrie, B, Glasgow, I, or no. C, Sterling? Airdrie. Because he played for them too. Correct. 28th of October, 1956. Sandy Clark, born in Airdrie. Question three. Danny Wilson. Not the band. Danny Wilson, the centre-back. 85. Do you know who the lead singer in Danny Wilson is? Yeah? Do you know who the lead singer in Danny Wilson is? Not off the top of my head. Probably remember when you say it. Gary Clark. I just wonder how many people think the lead singer in Danny Wilson is A, <laughs> Danny Wilson's a person and not a band, and B, Danny Wilson is his name. It's not, it's Gary Clark. Uh, uh, anyway, the, the that, options are A, Bathgate, mm-hmm. B, Greenock, or C, Livingston. So, Bathgate, Greenock, Livingston. Where was Danny Wilson, the footballer, born? Incorrect. Was this in post-production when you put the... Yeah. 
It was C. You know. Livingston. Was it? Is it Colorado Rapids now? He is. Yeah, played for Hearts between 2013 and 2015, and of I like course. Well, yeah, captained the club, but he was um, born in Livingston and went through the youth ranks at Rangers. Okay. Represented by a very big heart supporter himself, Alan Preston. Yes, that's correct. Um, Don Kerry. Can I get? A, can I get a ding? No, not for that. No. Don Cowie, question four. 84 appearances for Hearts between 2016 and 2018. Was he born in A, Coatbridge, B, Dingwall, or C, Inverness? He's an Invernessian. Yes, born in Inverness. Well, I tried to throw a Dingwall curveball in there, but no, you're right. The first one, the first one you could have said, Kerry Katona. <laughs> yes. Um, question five. Gavin Riley. 32 appearances between Ooh, 2015 and 2016. Fun. Was he born in A, Dumfries, B, Falkirk, or C, Motherwell? I think he's a Dumfries boy, is he not? Yes, he is. Signed from Queen of the South, his hometown club. Yeah. Uh, 10th of May, 1993, he was born in Dumfries, the same place as me. You were born in Dumfries? I was, yes. Yeah, there you go. I mean, there's not much more to it. Coming down on holiday or something? No, um, lived down there. Lived in that neck of the woods, not in Dumfries itself, but reasonably close by. I actually had not been, although I was born in Dumfries, I had not apparently physically been in the town since I was born until we played there in the championship. Ah, good away trip that one. Yeah, very enjoyable. Like the trips there. Hmm. Question six: Jim Jeffries. There's more. Fucking- there's more. Yep, Jim Jeffries, 310 appearances and obviously Water two spells boy, think, as not? manager. Um, born in A. Dunbar, B. Musselburgh, or C. Pennycook. Oh, it's got to be Musselburgh then, because he lived in Lauder. Yes. And that must be where yes, he yes. met Billy Brown. Billy Brown, Billy. who often seen the, well, did before the pandemic, anyway, saw him in the pub around the corner from me sometimes. There you go. There we go. Musselburgh, yes. Had to get a Musselburgh lad in there. So we've got... Oh, we've got two two players of the same name next. First up, Alfie Conn Sr. 340 competitive appearances for Hearts. 166 goals. Was Alfie Conn Sr. born in A. Kirkcaldy, B. Preston Pans, or C. Troon? Kirkcaldy, Preston Pans, or Troon? I honestly don't know. So I'll guess... Um, Kirkcaldy. Incorrect. Alfie Conn Sr. was born in Preston Pans on the 2nd of October 1926. He lived in Fife, I think. Did he not not, die in Fife or something? Well, let's move on to question 8, which is Alfie Conn Jr. Oh, okay. Was he born in A. Kirkcaldy, B. Preston Pans, or C. Troon? Ah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sticking this is going back to exams if you screw up the first one you get a similar question you get the same answers I'm going Kirkcaldy correct yes he was born there in Kirkcaldy are. on the 5th of April 1952 only 21 appearances for Hearts in 1980 played but for yeah. both Rangers and Celtic mm-hmm. indeed there you go I've got two more for you it's, it's almost over Kevin Kyle question 9 was he born in A. Air 
Nairn or C. Strunrock. Yes, yeah, it was Strunrock. Yeah, 22 appearances, so, uh, 10 goals. Yeah. Okay, let's finish it off. Final let's see one. Let's get oh, this one. After last week's final one, what you got planned for me? Timbuktu? No, no I don't think so. Or South Morocco? I don't think so. The answer um, is D. Dunbar. <laughs> Graham Weir, 78 appearances oh. for Hearts. Was Graham Weir born in A. Coatbridge, B. Hart Hill, or C. Perth? Mm, nah, he's too posh to be from Perth. He's not posh enough to be from Perth. I was going to say. <laughs> what were the other two? A. Coatbridge or B. Hart Hill? I, I mean, I don't know. Both of them very plausible. Uh, <laughs> Hart Hill, I don't know. Is it, is Correct. It? Hey. Graham Weir was born in Hart Hill on the 10th of July, 1984. Hello, my name's Graham Weir. There you go. What did I get, seven? Uh, oh, I don't know, I didn't bother counting after a bit. Why have you gone from five to ten? Five, five was, I'm not that complaining, but five was like, you know, okay, fine. Then you went to ten last week and you were... I don't know. That's the thing now, is it? I, I kind of wanted to throw Jeffries in there, so I got a muscle bro one, and then when I got to six... I couldn't do six. I had to go to ten. Then. <laughs> weird. Weird. Um, anyway, there you go. Right. Prediction. Prediction. For, I've made my prediction. I'm not giving you a score. I'm just saying Gary Mackay, Stephen, will have an involvement that will lead to a positive outcome for Hearts this weekend. Okay. So what's your prediction? I'm going 2 0 Hearts. Liam Boyce will score good. and Hearts will win 2 0. Good confidence. Good confidence. Well, if St Johnston can get a draw at Galatasaray, which they just have, then anything is possible in football. So, Indeed. Indeed. Um, just to we mention, uh, we, we talked a bit about the, the tactics and the analysis from the Celtic game, but we'll have a bit more depth on our website um, in the next day or two. Thanks to Gary Mulraney, who does the Maroon Report. You can follow him on Twitter at um, oh, Maroon Report. I believe I should probably have had that in front of me. Um, but he will be putting a piece on the website just to give you a bit more detail. We'll hopefully get more um, from him as the season goes. It is at The Maroon Report on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Around the Funnel. And if you want to get in touch, you can either tweet us or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. One thing we've been missing, I think, Mark, recently is homework. I think we should try and get homework back in on a weekly basis. Yeah, well, you don't have homework over the summer holidays. uh, But it's not the summer holidays anymore. We're back to school now. We need something, do we not? Are are the kids back at school? Uh, I meant, like, the football season. No, I know, but I'm not giving out homework. If the, the kids aren't back to school, yet, then there's no homework. Well, I don't I'll, know I'll when think school goes some, back. I'll think about some from. Okay, fine. From for for next week, I'm not. I'm not just going to fling something together. What like uh, that? I'll, like that quiz. <laughs> like this podcast every single week. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in. Your favorite. Your favorite saint. He says he won't, which he does. Your favorite saint. Your favourite saint? Oh, piss off. That's worse than my quiz. I'm going to Saint and Greasy. Bye-bye. Oh,
Christ, time to go. Right, see you next time. Go on to hearts.